Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome to church, everybody. Why don't you turn to two or three people really quick one more time and just say, hey, what are you doing with your eyebrows? It's working. Like, all right. Uh, a couple disclaimers. Um, we are in the middle of a, of a series called Jesus and Money. We talked about uh, loving God over loving money, right? If I love God, I'm willing to use money to help people. If I end up loving money, I'm willing to use people to get money, right? So I get it, I get it flipped upside down. Uh, we were designed to love God, love people. Uh, money is a, a great servant, but it's a terrible master, right? And so we kind of talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about how our work as believers, our work is worship, and God blesses us through the work of our hands. We can't just sit on the couch and trust God to make $100,000 that you and I have to practically apply ourselves to problem solving and that all money is moved as we solve problems for each other. You know, it's a good or a service or a need or a want. We serve each other. Uh, and as a Christian, that should be kind of second nature to us as we're all called to, to service and just good customer service and loving our neighbor and all those things. And, and so we talked about that. Uh, today and next Sunday, we're going to do Why Christians Tithe, Part 1 and Part 2. And, and some of you have probably heard of the concept of tithing before. Maybe you know a lot about it. Maybe you know a little bit about it. Uh, maybe you've got some questions about it. Maybe it seems foreign. Uh, maybe it seems like a hoax, if you're honest, right? Like you're just like, I have a ton of questions about it. I don't know if I trust it. So what is it about? And I just want to walk us through the Bible. Here's my disclaimer. We as a church, we do a series on stewardship, generosity, generosity, giving, all these things, about one, one time every two years. So if it's your first time in a church and you're like, oh my God, all they do really talk about is money, I promise you we really don't. We're just in the middle of a series, and we do one about every two years. Um, so if you're new here, this really isn't for you. Come back in a couple weeks when we do a series called Jesus and Me, and we're going to talk a lot about Jesus, and, and that is going to be for you. If you're a new believer, if you've been following Jesus for maybe a year or so, and you're still like, I got some questions, Pastor. Let's go out for coffee. Today isn't really for you probably either. If you've been following Jesus for a few years or more, okay, and you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you've got a strong relationship with him, you, you really do know him, you're, you're plugged in our house, you call this place home, this series is a little bit more for you, okay? And why do I say a disclaimer? I don't want anyone, I don't want any new believer, I don't want anybody checking church out, I don't want anyone to ever think this whole thing is about money because it's not. This whole thing is about a man named Jesus. Can I get a strong lean in and amen? This whole thing is about this man named Jesus and what he's done for me. It's not even about what I do for him. It's what he's done for me. And that's what we're here. That's what we talk about. We celebrate. Those of us that know him, we start this crazy little journey of following him and just doing life his way and what he said. And so it's part of the process, but it's not the main thing. He's, he's always the main thing, okay? Let's pray real quick together, and we're going to jump into God's, God's word today. Uh, Heavenly Father, we love you. Uh, God, thank you uh, just for your word. Your word changes us from the inside out. God, you've been better to us than we deserve. You've been more faithful to us than we have been to you. Uh, God, today, I think every heart ought to just shout uh, a heart of gratitude. We really do love you. We're grateful for what you've done. We're grateful for Christ. We're grateful to be called your kids. In Jesus' name, if you believe that with me, say amen. 
Now, I've never really taught a, a teaching like I have today. I think it'll be engaging. I think it'll be good. I think you'll get a lot out of it. I, I've never really taught along a, a subject the way I'm going to uh, today. You're going you're gonna to kind of see a number of scriptures. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk us through the tithe throughout the ages a little bit. Um, sometimes there's things in the Bible that show up just once, okay? And then it kind of fades out. And then sometimes there's things that seem to be repeated again and again and again and again and again throughout Scripture, uh, like don't murder. That's not just one line in the Bible. That shows up multiple times. The idea of loving your neighbor shows up multiple times. The idea of justice and equal relationships and fair relationship, that shows up multiple times, right? Loving my neighbor. Uh, not committing adultery shows up a lot throughout Scripture, right? And so and when I see something that shows up a lot throughout Scripture, I kind of look at it and I realize this, God's trying to say something because he's not just saying it in one time and one cultural context. He seems to be saying something to humanity because he's saying it again and again and again and again and again and again. So was not murdering, you know, if I murdered 3,000 years ago, was that wrong? Yes, that was wrong. If I murder next week, is that wrong? Yes, it's wrong. Uh, do not murder kind of transcends culture. Right? Can you guys trek with me so far? It, it transcends cultural context, and it's like a kind of a human thing, right? Uh, not committing adultery. I, I'm free from the law. That's true as believers, but that doesn't mean I should go commit adultery next week, right? That there's something that kind of holds through the ages. God seems to be saying something to us. And when I look at the idea and the concept and, and really the, the building blocks of tithing, I see something throughout the ages, and so we're just going to kind of walk through that uh, together today. Now, the, the tithe in general, it simply means 10%. It is this idea and this concept in the Bible that 10% of my money doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to God. As a follower of Jesus, it is my conviction that 100% of my life, everything I have and own and, and am, belongs to God anyway. I, I believe from the Bible that my entire life actually belongs to Christ. And so I want to live my life in a way where actually 100% of me belongs to him. So if God was like, sell everything out, give me your house and, you know, move somewhere else to be a missionary. Okay. I would have to do that. I'm not saying he's called me to do that. Okay. Like, but, but I, I want to live in my life in a sense of you're the owner. I'm the steward. And the tithe is the idea through the Bible where 10% is set apart for him. And that is his for his purposes and his house and his mission, his glory. And then the rest, God wants me to live on the 90%. So that's kind of the idea of what a tenth or tithe is, is 10%. The first time you actually see the, the tithe in the Bible is about 2000 BC in Abraham. Abraham is called the father of our faith. Anybody ever heard Abraham being called the father of faith? A few of us. Okay, so maybe a third of us. Okay, so Abraham's the father of, of our faith. He's called the father of faith. He kicks this whole thing kind of off, right? And, and it goes Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then you get, boom, the nation of Israel. And, and it kind of comes now throughout the ages. And the first time the tithe is ever mentioned in the Bible is Genesis 14 with Abraham, you know, again, several thousand years ago. And it, and it comes after a time of conflict, right? He rescues Lot. There's this little battle that goes on. Um, and then in verse 18, you have this figure called Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now, Melchizedek is some type a pre-form or pre-type of Christ. He shows up with bread and wine, which is kind of symbolism of communion. The Bible says he's greater than Abraham, and Abraham gives him a tenth of everything that he, he had there. And, and it's interesting, so he comes and he blesses Abram, and he says, 
Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gives him a tenth of everything. Here's what I want you to see. The tithe is birthed in a spirit of gratitude. It is, God, I am grateful for the victories that you've given me in life. I recognize you're with me. I recognize ultimately all the blessing and all the power and all the favor, all the deliverance comes from your hand. And I am grateful for what you have provided in the victories you're given. No one forced Abram to do anything. That's probably the most beautiful part of this passage for me. No one coerced him. No one twisted his arm. He did it out of a spirit of gratitude. This is the very essence of why Christians tithe. It is birth in a spirit of gratitude. God, thank you for the provision and the blessings and the victories you've given me. And I'm giving back to say thank you and I love you. And I recognize everything is from you. Genesis 28 is actually the second time you see it in the Bible. You have Abraham, you got Isaac, and you got Jacob, the grandson. And, and what you've got in verse 28, Jacob has this dream of a ladder between heaven and earth, right? And God comes and he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to journey with you. Your descendants are going to be like, you know, all over the place. And he has this response in his heart. And he says, God, if you're going to be with me, in verse 20, I want to read it. He said, if, if God, if you will be with me and watch over me on this journey that I am taking and will give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I'll return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Same thing. What we see is this response of God, I'm grateful you're with me on the journey. Thank you for all the blessings you've given me. I recognize you're with me, and I'm going to give because I'm saying thank you. I'm, I'm, choosing, I'm choosing gratitude. So that's the heart. Now, those of you that know the story of Israel, right? We go from the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those guys are the founders. Abraham's the father of faith. you got the patriarchs. Then you've got 400 years of slavery and bondage in Egypt, right? God uses Moses. He delivers the children of Israel. They go back on a journey, and now through Moses, you're birthing a nation, you're birthing the temple and this kind of religious system that God is setting up, the ways to worship him. Uh, and, and here's what we call the law. So if you've been a believer for a while and you're like, okay, I've heard of the law. I've heard of the old covenant. I've heard of the New Testament. I've heard of the new covenant. Okay, what's it about? This is where we get the law. That's why it's called the law of Moses. This is where you get the Ten Commandments, right? So you probably have heard of Ten Commandments and all this. So now you get, you get the law. And here in this law, we get a really clear picture of what God is saying about tithing. In fact, we, we see it in Numbers 18, Leviticus 27, Deuteronomy 12, 14, 26. And let me read Leviticus 27 real quick. And this is God talking through Moses. A tithe of everything from the land, grain or soil, fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. This is the first idea where we get a concept that it's actually holy to God or set apart for God. And this is kind of why we get the idea of 10% of my resources is set apart and it belongs to God. And, and in my heart, it's, it's kind of untouchable. Now, as a believer, are you free from the law? The answer to that is yes, you are free from the law. Um, now, I am free from the law, do not murder. That doesn't mean I should go murder next week. I am free from the law. Do not commit adultery. That does not mean I should go commit adultery next week. How many know Pastor Alyssa would murder me? I would be gone. I would, I would absolutely be gone. And, uh, and, and so, so there, there's things that, yes, technically I am free from the law, but I'm free from the law to fulfill more of God's heart on my life, not less. 
And if I look at the age of grace, everything gets a little bit more wild under grace. God seems to kind of cut into my heart a little bit. So Jesus said, listen, under the law, it said, don't murder. But I say, if you have hate in your heart for your brother, you've already murdered them. Well, that's kind of a bummer. Now God's dealing with my heart, right? Uh, or, hey, you, you've heard, don't commit adultery. That's great. I said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery, right? Because you really wanted to, right? And, and so it's like, oh, man, now he's kind of cutting into my, my heart a little bit here, right? So, so we are free from the law. That's true. We're free from living. It's 27. But I'm free to do more for God, not less. Are you all tracking with me so far? He's, he's working on my heart. He's cutting into my, my heart. For me, I, and this is my personal conviction, this is where I've landed as a, as a pastor. For me, tithing is not law for me. Tithing is life for me. At this stage of my life, the last thing I would take away financially would be my tithe. And that's my conviction. I know it, not every believer is there. But for me, it is life for me. I gave my life to Jesus at 17 years old. I had a very real transformation in my life and my heart. Those of you that know my story, I was struggling with suicidal thoughts. I was very depressed. I could find no reason to live. I was just really struggling. And man, God rescued me. And the desire to end my life dropped instantly. And the depression took some months to get out of, but man, instantly I had a life and death transformation in my heart. When I was 18 years old now, I'm a year later, I feel called to ministry. And I'm like, God, open a door for me to be a, a minister. Open a door for me to pastor. I, I want to do something, right? I literally wanted to plant a church at 18. Thank God I didn't. I would have ruined that church. It would have been a train wreck. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Half the time, I still don't know what I'm doing, you know, but I'm, I'm figuring it out. And, and so it's like, it's like, and so I'm like, God, open a door for me. Open a door for me. And God opened a door for me to janitor at a small country church. And, and, and so I'm like, open another door for me, open another door for me, you know, and I really felt the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to take that door and I want you to be a janitor. And, and we're, we're a city church, right? So we don't know maybe a lot about country churches, but country churches love to do these things called potlucks where everybody brings a bunch of food in and we murder a lot of chickens and we fry them and grill them and, and everything. And it was a mess. And I'm cleaning up afterwards, and Christians would do their business in the bathroom and plug the toilet and not have the decency to clean it up. And now I've got to clean the bathroom, and I'm mowing the lawn and all these things. And I learned in my time of being a janitor, I learned how to pray. I learned how to take criticism. I learned how to take a complaint. You know, janitor, it's too hot or it's too cold. Or why didn't you clean the bathroom? I don't know. Why'd you mess it up? Like, you know, it's like, like I, it's like I, God began to work on my heart and I started serving God's people. You know, whatever position you find yourself in the body of Christ, it's still all about serving people, whether you're teaching and feeding or you're cleaning or janitoring or whatever, right? Like, it's all about God's people. God began to work on my heart. When I got my first check, one of the first things I did was tithe. I began to tithe right from the beginning. So as I talk today, I am not telling you to do something I'm not. I'm saying something in a spirit of join me as we do something for Jesus. Does that track so far? So I'm not asking you to do something that I myself have not been doing for 20 years. So I've been doing this for 20 years. So you could disagree with me, but what you can't disagree is with my track record. And my wife and I are at a place in our life, I would rather pay my tithe than pay my mortgage. Now, don't not pay your mortgage, okay? Go home and pay your mortgage. But I, I have a conviction in my heart, tithing is life for me. And I love what God is doing in me and through me. I love what he does with it. And, and I love the, the position of my heart 
God, you're first. He's never failed. He's been faithful through the years. So that's kind of my heart behind it. Okay, let's go on. Second Chronicles 31, you have this time where Ahaz destroys the temple worship. He destroys spirituality in Judah. And you have this guy, King Hezekiah, that comes along. He restores worship. He restores the temple. He restores all these things. And guess what is restored in this time? You have a time where the tithe is, is now restored. Then, then you've got the exile period, right? The Assyrians come, they conquer, they take people away. The Babylonians come, they conquer, they take people in Judah away. The Persians conquer the Babylonians. And then you get Nehemiah coming back into the nation of Israel. And you get the time of restoration where they rebuild the temple, they rebuild the walls, they rebuild the city you know, of Jerusalem. And you know one of the things that's reinstituted? Tithing. You get in Nehemiah 10 and Nehemiah 12, God begins to restore this thing. And then you get probably one of the clearest pictures, I'd say, in the Bible in Malachi 3. This is the prophets right before you have a period of about 400 years of silence. It's called the intertestament period of time between the prophets and Jesus. And kind of one of the last warnings in Malachi 3, God is talking to his people. And he's like, hey, you left me. And they're like, hey, how did we leave you? And he says, you robbed me. How did we rob you? you? You didn't give the tithes and the offerings. Now, none of us would go out tomorrow, at least I hope not, okay? And we wouldn't go to Macy's and rob Macy's. Now, maybe that's because you're a good person. Maybe it's because you're afraid of going to jail. I don't know. But, but most likely, we wouldn't do that. I just find it intriguing that God takes it that personal. Now, no pastor in the Western world wrote Malachi 3. This is like a couple thousand years ago, God is writing through a prophet, and he's talking about this. This is why I'm talking to believers that are three years, four years into Jesus, okay? If you're a new believer, let this one just go right by you. If you're checking church out, let it go right by you. There's no pressure on you whatsoever today at all, okay? If you're a believer and you naturally know God and you know his word, isn't it a little intriguing? God seems to take this kind of personally, right? He kind of takes it, he kind of takes it personally. Then he does something kind of wild. He says, test me in this. Test me. The only place in the Bible that you and I are commanded to test God is Malachi 3. Everything else, Jesus said, don't put God to a foolish test. Don't drive crazy on 595 and say, angels are with me everywhere I go, right? God would be like, that's a stupid test. Like, that's dumb, you know? Don't test God. The only place in the entire Bible God says, test me, is this. He, God says, you give me this, and I'm going to open the windows of heaven over your life. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you, blah, 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 blah. Matthew 23, let me, let me go on kind of throughout the ages. Most Christians don't even know this. Jesus affirms the tithe in Matthew chapter 23. Verse 20, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law of Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, so your tithing, mint, dill, cumin, they, they tithe down to the spice, right? He goes, but you've neglected the more important matters, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What is Jesus doing? He affirms the tithe. He's like, you should have practiced it, but you should align your heart with it. Right? Because what, what, what is this whole thing ultimately about? Loving God and loving people. Can you tithe and hate people? Absolutely. Can you get religious and crusty and never love God? Absolutely. You can do a religious action and your heart be far from God and far from people. What is Jesus doing? He's aligning action and heart. And if you look at the messages of Jesus, you look at the heart of the Gospels, it's all about aligning my heart and my action. Isn't that interesting? So he's working in me, transforming me from the inside out, right? Uh, Acts chapter 2, this is where you get the start of the church. You get these new believers. Acts chapter 2, you see this wild and radical generosity where believers sell out and give everything. We are not taking an offering today for everything. You can wipe the sweat off your brow. There is no fundraise. There's no nothing. We're doing fine, okay? I just find it intriguing. I'm moved 
by their radical generosity. And this is actually where a lot of the early church fathers landed on. A lot of the early church fathers considered tithing just the beginning place or a low bar, and they loved this idea of radical generosity. I just, I just find it intriguing. I'm moved. I have to say, as I look at the early church, I'm always challenged and a little bit convicted. I live a very good life compared to a lot of these early believers, yet when I look at their passion, their joy, their ability to serve and share Jesus, I'm always convicted and I'm always moved. I just find it intriguing. And that's what I wanted to bring up, Acts chapter 2. It's, it's, it's wild. Then you get in about 100 AD, there was a council at about 70 AD-ish uh, called the Council of Jerusalem. It was one of the first councils of the early church. Most scholars think James was actually the one overseeing this at the time in the church in Jerusalem. And out of this, we get a document called the Didache, which is kind of just translated doctrine. It's like a little pamphlet on how we should practice Christianity. And in the Didache, they're talking about giving your first fruits. They're talking about tithing. I just find that intriguing. A lot of the early church fathers, same thing. We're tithing, we're giving, we're radical generosity, we're, we're practicing this thing. 567, you have the Council at Tours, France. They kind of make it more official, this idea of tithing. Tithing kind of holds to the Reformation. It's something that our brothers and sisters in Christ have been doing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and most evangelical denominations today kind of hold to the idea and the doctrine of tithing that 10% is holy, it is unto the Lord. Now, now, I'm going to get personal again for me here. I tithe today because it is, again, my heart to say, God, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful for what you've done. And I love what my tithe gets to do. If I go back to Malachi 3 as I kind of close down today, that, that God's house is a storehouse. What is a storehouse? A storehouse in the ancient world is a place that I bring resources to, and there's resources so when the community has need, there's resources to go out for the community. So if we had like plentiful, plentiful, plentiful harvest and there's lots to go around, we would take some of that harvest, we'd eat some of that harvest, and then some of the extra we would take to a storehouse just in case there was ever a famine, right? So there's no rain, there's no water, you know, the rivers didn't flood, right? There's a place to go to get some grain and some food in case there's a need or in case there's a famine. And God calls his house a storehouse, right? So as God blesses us, his kids and his family, Family. And we, of course, we need to eat now. We all need money. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We all got to pay rent. We all have to eat. We all have to drive. God understands all these things. But as there is a abundance, right, God blesses us with more than enough, right? He's meeting our needs and we're blessed. We take that, we give it to God, we put it in the storehouse. And then as the community has needs, it gets distributed to the community, right? Guys, every community in the entire world has a spiritual need. Every community in the entire world is spiritually bankrupt. What is the first thing that the body of Christ around the world is called to do? Meet spiritual need, right? Churches do have bills. We have to pay rent. We have to turn the lights on, right? We take the ministry of the word and the ministry of worship important here, right? As it, as it should be. We're meeting spiritual needs. We're a, a city set on a hill, a light, right? The salt of the earth. There is a spiritual bankruptcy that the church and the church alone, through the power of Christ, meets. That's a beautiful thought, right? That's why we say the, the local church is the hope of the world, right? There's something about what we do that's got this incredible essence of life and love and hope, and that will always be that way, right? So we are a storehouse spiritually. 
We're a storehouse emotionally. We're a storehouse, uh, you know, mentally. And then sometimes, right, there's a practical physical need, and the church gets to step in and meet that. In a few weeks from now, we're going to be serving the homeless ministry again, where we'll feed everyone the meals. We serve. We pray. And, and, and again, a couple months ago, we did a big Christmas outreach, right, where we provided a, toys and helped out and served, and the body of Christ got involved. And we're blessing people and meeting need. And so we're always meeting spiritual you know, emotional, you know, family, practical need at times because we are a storehouse, right? So if I, if I kind of look at myself, and again, tithing is not law for me. Tithing is life for me. I love what God does through my giving. And the last thing I think at this stage in my life, 20 plus years of following Christ, I would ever change is my giving. And I had a mentor tell me once, he said, Matt, he goes, hey, you're doing great. He goes, as God increases you, are you going to increase your standard of living or increase your standard of giving? And that just kind of got me. And, and this guy, he's a wonderful man of God. He gives now 25% of his money away. And I'm not telling you to do that today. I'm not telling you to do anything today, okay? I'm just going to read you this book and tell you what encourages and challenges me. That's, that's all I'm going to do today, okay? And because and, that's, that's my heart. This is, this is between you and the Holy Spirit, but this is what challenges me. And it just kind of challenged me and it moved me. And I thought, you know, I went home and I told Alyssa, I said, you know, for like the last 20 years, I've been doing 10%, but what would it look like to do 11% this year? And then next year, what would it look like to do 12%? Could we trust God maybe with just a little bit more and stretch ourselves a little bit? And right now, my wife and I are about that 12, 13% right now of giving. I'm just kind of challenging myself to see what might happen if I just go a little bit more, right? And no one, that's my conviction, right? I'm not telling anybody to do anything else. It just got me going. And I thought, you know, God, like I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to take my life and you don't want it to be all about me. You want my heart and you want my life to ultimately be about other people. And you're meeting my needs. I've got needs. I'm feeding four kids. But you know what? I want my heart to turn toward God and to turn toward people. So if you are a believer and you've been following Jesus for a few years, here's what I want you to hear the essence of this message. Why do Christians tithe? We tithe because we're grateful. We tithe because we love God. And we give because we love people. And that's pretty much it. The last thing we ever want in the body of Christ or in this church is coercion, manipulation, and stress. There is a heart of gratitude. This is the foundation of all giving. Can I get an amen? All right, that's it. That's all I want to say. So let me pray for us as a church. And we'll wind down today and go, go have some coffee and, and celebrate together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we love your word. And Lord, I think all of us are, are moved by Abraham. Uh, that he gave out of a heart of gratitude. And for all Christians, all throughout the ages and all places and all generations, uh, Lord, you're developing a heart of gratitude in us. And God, so thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, God, thank you. I'm, I'm always humbled that I'm here today because uh, believers throughout the ages gave. Uh, people gave. People made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. Someone planted churches all throughout the world so we could be here to hear about Jesus um, and that's a humbling position. And God, I think for all of us in our lives, we, we ultimately don't want it to be about us, but we want it to be about the future. We want it to be about generations coming. We want it to be about others that need the spiritual food, the life of Jesus. God, we love you. We're grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing night.